Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. We are just over a third of the way through the book of John. We're reading it together this summer, and today we're on chapter 8. This is a story that you may have heard before. It's about the woman who was caught in adultery and brought to Jesus for punishment. And I think that what he does says a lot about us and a lot about him. Y'all, Anna and I just hopped off the phone. We just recorded this podcast. And I'm not going to lie to you. This was a struggle for us to record. We had multiple technical difficulties. We originally planned to talk about both eight and nine. And we landed on what you will hear today. And I'm just praying right now for you, whoever you are that's listening, that this will be the exact message that you need to hear. You know, school is out for the summer. And so normally we would be more disconnected for these next couple months, but this is actually an opportunity for us to lean in even more, to lean in more to our faith, to our community, to our friendships, and to let God do something cool in our hearts this summer. So we are not going to let these delays and bad vibes change our focus on God today. We had all sorts of things. You'll notice in the middle of the podcast that my mic changes to a different mic. My mic stopped working and I had to start recording on my computer mic. So hopefully it's not too distracting. But without further ado, this is our conversation about John chapter 8. Hey guys, welcome back. We are so excited. Um, just to open us up, I'm going to pray for us really quick and then Emily will get us started with chapter 8. Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, I just pray that um, your word would come to life as we study it. God, would you give us clarity and wisdom and just help us learn more about you. Thank you so much for this podcast and for the chance to learn and study scripture together. We just say we love you and we trust you. Amen. So we're picking up at chapter eight today and... This is going to be fun because if if you're new to the podcast, we are a Christian college women's organization. <laughs> um, we do Bible studies. And so a lot of this is based in our communities at our five different college campuses. It started at University of Georgia, and that's where I lead the senior Bible study, but then they also have freshman, sophomore, and junior Bible studies. And then at Clemson and University of South Carolina, University of North Carolina, and Bama, we have Bible studies and an As You Are community on that campus. And so we are just walking through the book of John together. Aside from our weekly Bible studies, we also do worship nights once a semester on each of our campuses. And so if you attended one of our previous worship nights, you might have heard Anna give a talk about this exact story. It's actually on the podcast. We talked about the women caught in adultery um, in our Women of the Bible series. Yes, we did. We can link that podcast episode in the show notes because I'm going to approach it from a little bit of a different angle today. But first, I'm going to read this story to you. It's chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, 
teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So, here is what I want to focus in on today. When Anna and I talked about it before, we talked about how Jesus has, in this story, such great compassion for both the woman and the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. They are on opposing sides, and he really gives the same amount of patience and understanding and grace and truth to both of them which is which is amazing incredible because if you've been listening to the podcast you know the pharisees are like giving jesus a lot of pushback they don't like jesus they're trying yeah to corner him and get him in trouble and yeah he's showing them a lot of compassion and obviously for the woman caught in adultery that's i feel like that one's a one that you're like, oh yeah, duh, he's showing her compassion, but like actually seeing him also show the Pharisee compassion is really cool. Yeah, because it shows us that his real heart is exactly what he keeps trying to show the Pharisees again and yeah. again. So if if you've been tracking with us for the past couple of episodes, we've been going through story after story where basically Jesus yeah. will go to a lost or outcast person and he will have an encounter with them and then it'll be followed by an encounter with the pharisees it will show both conversations and even though it comes across like jesus is speaking more harshly to the religious people he is still giving them so much truth and so much love and so much grace and he's also extending that same grace to the people who are outcast and lost and have been told by especially those religious people that they are not accepted. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is what Anna and I were talking about before we started recording is that there may be a part of us that is like both of these things. Yeah. But before we dive into that too much, if you remember from last week, we talked about the festival of booths. So this big religious festival that everyone would be at where they celebrate this time where God protected and provided for their ancestors in the wilderness. And Jesus knows that he's being pursued by the Pharisees to be arrested and killed, but he still comes to this event and decides to teach. They found somebody that was in the act of adultery. And you know, they didn't ask her like, will you come with us so we can prove a point? Like they forced her and brought her as a prisoner to be killed in those days. And especially in these circles, literally both the man and the woman were supposed to be killed for doing this. Mm -hmm. And Jesus showed incredible compassion to her. And of course we usually do make it about her, but I kind of want to look at what he said to them because I actually think he also showed them really great compassion. Yeah. 
He says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. That's verse seven. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. It's crazy to me that these people have spent their life following the laws that would supposedly bring them close to God. But what they ended up doing is rejecting Jesus's message and constantly judging other people. I don't know if you've ever heard the word legalism. What is the yeah. what does the word legalism make you think of, Anna? I think just somebody who's like really focused on following the rules. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Here's the definition. Excessive adherence to law or formula is what legalism go. means. And I heard a sermon on this that was talking about legalism is essentially like judgmentalism. <laughs> like you're you're hmm. judging the actions of yourself and of other people and making that the law by which you live. Everything is based on those actions. Yeah. And Jesus is calling that out in these people. He's saying, and I, I circled the word um, without sin from verse seven, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone because I've talked a lot about the passion translation of the Bible and how it has little notes at the bottom. And that particular word really is best translated. It says a simple desire. So Hmm. more than just if you've sinned, Jesus is literally communicating to them. If there has never been any sin in your heart, then you throw the first stone. Hmm. He's trying to point out to them that we're all bad. He's trying to show them like the Pharisees, because they were so legalistic, they thought it was all about what you do. And Jesus is trying to show them, Hey, no, it's not about what you do. It's about your heart and where your heart is. Right. Whether you commit an act of adultery, whether you actually kill somebody, even if you have the thought to do that, like because the Pharisees are so black and white and they're so strict and had like created so many rules to try and help them follow the law. And so for them, they're like, well, we haven't actually acted upon our desires or we haven't actually broken the Sabbath because they have all these parameters in place, which are physical parameters to like help them. Right. And Jesus is saying like, no, I don't, I care about where your heart is. A heart that's focused on Jesus, like we'll talk about this in a second, but like our lives should look different. Our thoughts and our desires should look different if we're walking with Jesus. More than trying to condemn us, Jesus is trying to highlight our need for him. Like he's showing us like, hey, you are all sinful. You have all fallen short and you will continue to fall short because you're human. And like, unfortunately, that's, that is where our hearts are a lot of the time. But the good news is that Jesus came and he died for us so that he could take on those sins and that we can live a life with him. You know that saying where if you had a TV above your head that was like projecting all of your thoughts, what would they be? Yes. I remember hearing that, I don't know, probably for the first time in like high school and thinking, oh gosh, like I hope that never happens. I hope people can never read my mind because the reality is like, we can try and like pray that the Lord will help us control our thoughts and help like help take away thoughts that are not of him. But ultimately, like even that is showing our weakness and our 
need for him because like without his help without the holy spirit's help like we can't control our thoughts and so i don't know i think that's what also jesus is trying to highlight for the pharisees here is like it's not just about what you do it's not just about the actions like of course that's important we see that with the woman like he doesn't just excuse her actions but it's also about your thoughts and like what are you thinking about people what are you thinking about yourself and about god Before we move on to the next section, in most of the Bibles that I've looked at, it says a little note right before chapter eight. It says the earliest manuscripts do not include 753 through 811. Um, And I was looking into why that is. I didn't know if that was because it was less credible or for a different reason. So I wanted to understand why that was. So they said a couple of reasons could be, let me read this section from my study Bible, the Passion Translation. It should be noted that this entire episode is missing in the majority of the most reliable Greek manuscripts. There are some manuscripts that have this story at the end of the book of John and at least two included in the gospel of Luke. Many scholars think that the episode in the ministry of Jesus was added after the gospel of John had been completed. However, it is the conclusion of this translation that the above text is indeed an inspired account of the ministry of Jesus and may have been deleted by many translators and copyists who have doubted that Jesus could tell an adulterer that he would not condemn her. Hmm. St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers mentioned this story and stated that many translators had removed it because they interpreted it as Jesus giving license to immorality. God's grace always seems to startle Hmm. the religious, which I thought that is so true yeah and honestly eye-opening for us too the truth is what we're seeing is the heart of god and it's definitely not turning away from truth but he is so full of grace for both and i just can't ignore it also i feel like jesus is high like his message across the gospels when it comes to something like this is consistent it was just thought about when he teaches about before trying to remove the speck of sawdust from your neighbor's eye, like get the plank out of your own eye. Like I feel like what Jesus is trying to say also to the Pharisees is stop looking at this woman's sin and notice your own. Like we're not called to judge each other. Like we, (laughs) we often try to be like the big judge and like we think we can judge the people around us. Culture honestly like tells us to like compare yourself, judge yourself to those around you. And Jesus is saying like, no, stop looking at their sin and look at your own. I know that's so good. That's from Luke 6, 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So Luke 6, 41, if you want to look more into that, if you're feeling bold and humble and want to address your own (laughs) junk, look at Luke 6, 41. Which we should all do. Like, that's a great thing to do. And it is hard. It's what he's asking them to do. And he goes on after this. She goes away. And he goes on to have a conversation with the Pharisees. And it'll get us through the end of chapter 8. I think it is so... Good. And it left me with three takeaways, but I'm going to kind of summarize their conversation first. The woman goes away. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Then in verse 12, this is what Jesus says to them after she leaves. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
And the Pharisee said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. We've talked a little bit about why they're here for this festival and what happened in the wilderness. But basically one of the things that happened is that God's glory and his presence was with them in the day. It was a cloud and it kind of led the way and provided shade. And at Mm -hmm. night it was a pillar of fire. And so can you imagine there was just like this pillar of fire in the sky (laughs) and the Israelites are are following this. I mean, talk about tangible. Jones just woke up from his nap. Can you say hey to the podcast? Hey, Hey, Jones. (laughs) Anyway, um, so God's glory was manifested in a cloud and in fire, which um, in the desert, it would be extremely hot during the day and bright. So it was shade and protection from the heat. And at night, the desert gets really, really cold and extremely dark. So he was light and warmth for them. And so when Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world, he's referencing how God was light for them in the desert. And they start Mm -hmm. to feel offended because he's very obviously claiming that he's God. If you zoom ahead to verse 28 they continue to be offended and then he says when you've lifted up the son of man then you will know that i am he and that i do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the father taught me and he who sent me is with me he has not left me alone for i always do the things that are pleasing to him as he was saying these things many believed in him what's happening here is he's having these serious conversations with them and some of them are offended and some of them are starting to believe. The next verse, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Three things. One, abide in my word. Two, because you abide in my word, you will know the truth. And three, because you know the truth, you will be set free. So one, abide in my word. Two, know the truth. Three, be set free. This is the last thing that I'll say about chapter eight, but I think it's the most important thing for all of us, whether we consider ourselves a Christian or uh, I want to be a Christian, but I'm not there yet or not a Christian at all. He said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and you'll be set free. And what I'm hearing Jesus say here and what I'm seeing in Jesus is his desire for us to be free. Hmm. None of us like to be controlled. Right. And the opposite of being controlled is being free. We want to be free. And we tell ourselves that free is doing whatever we want, but Jesus is giving us the key to actually being free here. And I think it's so important for us to zoom in on abide in my word Hmm. and in his word is the truth and the truth is what will truly set you free. Yeah. I love the conversation that happens after because they basically respond and say, we're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say we will become free? So they're trying to say, we've already got the answer. Like it's kind of like that feeling when 
somebody knocks on your door and they're trying to like share the gospel with you and you're like, no, 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 no you don't get it. <laughs> I'm already a Christian. <laughs> I already know. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. That's like literally what they're saying. And Jesus starts talking to them about whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. So they're sort of thinking broader, like no one controls us because we're God's people. And he's saying, actually, you're not a slave to other people or other leadership. You're a slave to your sin. Hmm. And your sin looks all these different ways. I think the sin that he's addressing in the Pharisees is their pride and their desire to earn their salvation. And he's addressing that and saying, as long as you are a slave to that, you'll never truly belong to me. I walked away feeling like, okay, wait, if I've believed the lie that I'm already a Christian and I'm already good, so I don't need to change anything about my life. He's saying, the thing is, you're not free. Right. And verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot hear my word. And in my passion translation for verse 43, it says, why don't you understand what I say? You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. Verse 47 says, if you really knew God, you would listen, receive and respond with faith to his words. But since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves you don't belong to him and you have no room for him in your hearts. What does this tell me about Jesus? He wants us to make room for him in our hearts. He's actually speaking to both groups and saying, cling to me. I want to set you free and I want to give you life. Just make room for me in your life. It's like what we talked about last week too, with the bread and the water. And like Jesus is saying, I want, I want to be the thing that's giving you life. I want you to abide in me. We've talked about that several different times on the podcast, the importance of abiding and like what that even looks like, whether you resonate more with the woman at the well or with the Pharisees, like whether you've grown up a Christian and you find yourself judging people around you and feeling like if I keep all my I's dotted and T's crossed, I'll be fine. Like the reality is like Jesus wants to be with you and to abide with you. Honestly, y'all like it's something we can be reminding ourselves of daily and maybe you're thinking like okay yeah y'all have said that a lot but like what does that even look like what does it look like to abide with Jesus what does it look like to use him as bread and water throughout the day and I think something that's so simple and we honestly talked about this week is having a reminder throughout your day like I think last week we used the example of every time you eat like use that as a okay I'm gonna pray or I'm gonna like check in with Jesus because we don't, we can't just like spend 15 minutes in the morning and be like, check, I'm done. Right. Moving on, you know, in order to abide, abiding is something that's happening all day, you know, and sometimes that feels overwhelming to me. Um, even I know some of y'all are listening to this and might think like, well, they've got it all together and that's just Mm-mm. not true. Like not even remotely true, but Maybe having something like that where you have a check-in or like a timer that goes off on your phone at 9 a.m., 12, 2, and 9 p.m. or something. Like, it that feels weird, but also like 
we sometimes need help remembering to abide in the Lord. Also, what it looks like to abide is praying and like getting in God's word. And that could be going for a walk. That could be calling a friend, talking about what you're learning, but trying to get in God's word and to pray. Yeah, I was having a conversation with my mom last night. Um, We listened to last week's podcast together and we were just talking about it. And she said a couple of things that I thought were helpful. The first thing she said, which I wanted to circle back on, is she was talking about bread and sustenance and that part of last week's podcast where we talked about nobody eats just once a day. And she said, actually, I have an interesting thought on that. She was like, I agree that most people don't eat just once a day but maybe someone is just eating once a day. Or if you are fasting for spiritual purposes or for whatever purposes, then maybe you eat zero times a day. And she said something interesting about how the body works is that right at first, when you cut down your intake of food, you feel so hungry and your stomach grumbles and You might even feel nauseous or lightheaded or you feel like you need more. But the longer that you go without, the more your body gets used to it. And even eventually, you start to not feel hungry. And she was saying, what a picture of our spiritual lives. When I am in God's word and when I am studying it, applying it to my life, praying through it. I crave more of it. If it's something that you are filling yourself up with, it starts to take over your mind. It starts to take over your heart. It starts to be the thing that you need to survive. But if you starve yourself of it, your body stops being hungry for it at all. So a reminder to anyone out there who feels like spiritually dry or feels like I never had an interest in it at all. Here's an encouragement just to open your Bible today. Like you're listening to this podcast and if you made it this far in this podcast, you're doing so much better than you think, Mm -hmm. but open your Bible and, and read the word of God. We are the most forgetful people. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but That's the other thing that my mom and I were talking about last night is that you can get so excited about God's word while you're doing a study or while you're in a Bible study group for, you know, a whole semester. But then the summer hits, here we are in the summer, and three weeks in, it's so easy to have accidentally starved yourself off of some of the spiritual stuff that you felt like was sustaining you. And then all of a sudden you just forget. Like over the summer, because we're not hosting Bible studies weekly, like send each other the podcast and say, Hey, listen to this and let's talk about it, you know, and then actually talking about it. (laughs) It would be really cool if, especially for you graduated seniors out there to stay in a group text with your Bible study. I'm thinking about my girls in particular, like you, you guys should stay in the group text and message about this and like talk about scripture and talk about what it means to you. And if you weren't in a Bible study this past semester, or if you're not a senior, maybe just strike up a conversation with two or three close friends and listen to the podcast, read through it together and discuss it together, set a time to do it. It will definitely change the way you interact with this. Like if you're on a walk right now and you're listening, 
I think that the way you're carving out time for this is incredible because there's a bunch of other things that you could do, but there are ways to interact with it even deeper when it becomes your own. So if you start talking about it with your friends, it will be, it'll just change your, the things that you do think about and change the way that you do want to pray. And so that would be my main encouragement is to, as much as you can internalize scripture and let it affect you like that. And it goes straight back to the thing that Jesus said to the people who believed in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you want to follow Jesus and if you want to learn from him, he's saying, if you abide in my word, you truly are. Yeah. Well, I feel like the main thing that I am learning and just really like resonating with in a different way than before is Jesus's desire for us to come near to him like he's here his arms are open and he wants he wants to be in a relationship with us like I for some reason when we talked about him being the bread of life and the living water um that for me just was really special and very like wow Jesus is saying like, hey, I'm all that you need. I'm right here and I'm going to provide everything that you need. And I think especially like in my own life when it can feel like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) What, like Everett and I often have the conversation of like, should we move from Richmond? Should we find new jobs? Should like, we, it's, we are easy to look to the future and get excited in a way, but also feel like, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And I just feel like the Lord has been reminding me over and over again, like, Anna, all you need is me and I'm going to provide and I'm going to show you the way. And so I feel like that, especially in these first few chapters, is just seeing the Lord's love and desire to know us and be known by us and his compassion for us. Yeah. All right, y'all, that wraps up John 8, and we're excited about next week. We're going to get into John 9 and 10, and we really would encourage you guys, text a friend. Maybe you start with the very first episode and say, hey, let's listen to this together this summer. And this is just a great way to stay connected and continue growing together. So we love you guys. Thank you for tuning back in. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.